Hey everybody, this is uh, Dan from LEO Radio, and uh, we're here at the Atlantic City Police and Security Expo. Uh, this is one of the biggest law enforcement shows on the East Coast. Uh, literally hundreds of vendors, hundreds of training topics, thousands of law enforcement professionals coming from all over the East Coast and the country. Uh, we're here with Jay Harris Academy of Police Training. And uh, we're doing a live podcast. Uh, I have with me Andrea Craparata. Uh, Andrea is the founder and creator of Educated Encounters. Uh, it's a really interesting program uh, to improve relations between police officers and uh, school and uh, school age children. Um, Andrea, why don't you go into a little bit about how this started and what, uh, where you got your passion for this. Yes, thanks Dan. So Educated Encounters is a school-based educational program and it's designed by law enforcement executives, career prosecutors, and educators. And our goal is to foster better community relations between high school students and police. Um, the program takes place during U.S. history classes and it provides an opportunity for police officers and the students to consciously construct a relationship in the classroom that's not only reciprocal but then transcends into the community. So um, about three years ago in 2016 I was contacted by the city of New Brunswick, New Jersey to create a program and this is the result of that. Uh, and we've been running this program for three years now and we've reached over 1,500 high school students and it has really gotten some very positive feedback. My, my passion in this comes from really my background. So I have a 25 year, I'm a 25 year veteran of law enforcement. I retired as a, a captain from the Middlesex County Prosecutor's Office. Okay. And during that time, you know, I worked uh, a lot of uh, a lot of different units and saw a lot of different incidents occur on the street. And um, during that time, I also was in college getting my master's degree in, in the field of education. I'm a certified New Jersey school teacher, and I taught at both Brookdale Community College and Rutgers University. So I sort of have this hybrid background of, you know, my trade was law enforcement, but my education is in the field of education. Um, at the end of my career, I was in charge of all the in-service police training for the Middlesex County Prosecutor's Office Police Training Center, and that's when I really started to merge my, my two backgrounds. And then when I retired, this seemed like a great fit for me. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. Uh, this this kind of sounds a little bit like the idea, the original idea of the school resource officer. Uh, how How is it a little different? Because yeah. with the SRO seems to be gravitating into that enforcement role. Right. So this is actually quite different from having an SRO in the school. I mean, the SROs are really important, right? I mean, in this day and age, we have to be so vigilant with security and we have to reach the students. But Educated Encounters is really more about reaching the students um, by having the police officers in the classroom and speaking to them about re really preparing the students for interaction with police and building relationships to gain mutual respect and consideration and understanding. So what we do is we use real life scenarios and the students gain an understanding of, of their rights. So the Bill of Rights, you know, First Amendment issues, Fourth Amendment issues, um, but they also are gaining a, an understanding of the roles and responsibilities of police including the instances where the two are interacting on the street. So but when, by the fact that it's being taught by police, we, we are able to impress upon the kids how important it is to act in a certain way when a police interaction is occurring. 
And the scenarios illustrate the dynamic of both aggravating and mitigating, mitigating circumstances and how they affect um, the outcome of a police interaction. Because when you really think about it, Dan, any use of force incident or a police interaction, um, let's talk about a police interaction. Really? Motor vehicle stop. Okay. So any, anyone, our citizenry can act in one of two ways. They can either do something that's going to mitigate the situation or aggravate the situation. There's really no in-between. So if, if, if our citizenry listened to the commands of a police officer and understood the role and responsibility of the officer, and then we would really have a lot, lot less non-compliance issues because a use of force issue doesn't behoove any party, right? No, I think in this day and age, I think in law enforcement, I think everybody loses when it's a use of force. Everybody loses. The officer is under extreme scrutiny nowadays. Um, the, the individual that the use of force occurred with loses just by the very nature of the position they're in. The police administrators lose because it's just not good publicity and it's just not good for anyone. So what we're trying to do is get to these students at an age where they're still in a critical developmental stage of life and we want them to see our officers in a more, you know, we want to humanize our officers and we want them to understand what, you know, the challenges are for police because a lot of times students at that age are really just basing their opinion on police on, on social media, what they see on social media. So a five-second YouTube video um, does not depict all of the circumstances that go into that incident. And so we feel as though by humanizing our officers, having them in the classroom with the kids, and providing them with these scenarios, um, it, it, it benefits all parties. Yeah, that, uh, that sounds like it makes a lot of sense. Uh, proactive approach, getting uh, young people to understand what the role of the law enforcement officer is. Uh, kind of get them to walk a mile in their shoes to kind of see the store, the, to see what they're looking at and what they're looking for so that there's not misunderstandings on either side. Um, and, and it is a really critical thing. Uh, so how does it work? So what we do is uh, our, our team from Educated Encounters comes in, and we're comprised of all subject matter experts, people who have been on the job for no less than 25 years, have distinguished careers. Um, we have pro, uh, you know, career prosecutors on our, on our team. And so we will come into a police department, and we will train them on, on our material. Our material is scenario-based, and it deals with some of the amendments, as I said earlier. So we're going to do a train-the-trainer with the police department. And then the police department is going to, you know, they, they will now own the intellectual property, or they will have, you know, bought into the intellectual property of the program itself. So now they will have Educated Encounters material. Their officers will have been trained, and then those officers will go into the school system during U.S. history. We schedule that between that's between the school and the police. We'll do a scheduling uh, program, whereby the officers go in, and they will have, for example, in the city of New Brunswick, our officers are in the classroom four times per year, and we've chosen tenth grade, but really you can pick any grade that you want in high school. They're in the school four times per year, so one week per marking period and they're embedded into the history class um, because when you really think about it the students are learning about their constitutional rights 
so it's great because it's a real life application of something they've already learned in history but it's being applied to a police interaction. So it actually dovetails in with the curriculum of the school and what they're teaching in the history class. So when they're talking about the civil rights movement or they're talking about uh, other uh, historical events, right. you can come in and integrate that with, okay, let's talk about First Amendment rights, let's talk about the right to assemble peaceably. What does that mean and what doesn't that mean? Exa that is exactly it. Like if everyone understood it just how you described it, it would be perfect. And that's, that's one of our very first examples that we use. It's a very simple First Amendment issue, right to peacefully protest and freedom of speech. And we base these on real incidents that have happened across the country. And in this particular scenario, we have um, a group that's congregating um, in the city of New Brunswick in, in front of, uh, of, of, a, of a theater. And they're protesting social injustice, which they have the right to do. But then they uh, start to block the entrance of a business. So now the police are called in. And they are now duty bound to do what? Clear the entrance of the business. But, this, but the citizenry, in this case, these, these young men and women that are protesting, they don't see it as that. They see it, well, this is our right. But then the police get to say, well, it's our duty, though, to clear this pass, passageway. And then it, great, it gives great talking points for the officers and the students to discuss that. Well, what does the First Amendment right mean? And, it, and what is our duty? And then how, how the two are merging on the street. So that situation can go one of two ways. It could either be mitigated because when the police come and give their order to clear this passageway and move the protest away from this particular entrance, the students can either com comply and do what they're asked to do or in, in another case um, they could aggravate it. One could yell something at the police, one could stick a cell phone in the police officer's face when he or she is trying to do their job. And before you know it, we can have an obstruction of justice arrest. We could have a, if somebody bumps into the officer when he's trying to clear a crowd, we explain that sometimes officers are extremely outnumbered. So if somebody starts getting too close, bumps into an officer, guess what? You, you could actually have a, a, an assault charge there. So we don't want that to happen, right? We want these kids to understand, yes, this is my right, but I also do have to comply when I'm asked to move for a justifiable reason. And, and in, a, in a country where we've had periods of civil disobedience and acts of civil disobedience, uh, for writer, you know, for whatever the reasons are, whatever your politics are, the consequences of those, like, yes, you can do this. You can say no we're not moving but there are consequences to those actions those are legal consequences those are different from constitutional norms correct I mean that that's it so again it's 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 taking their rights reinforcing their rights but also teaching them that the real-life application um, you know has consequences either good or bad so what do you see as the big advantages of this program and have you seen a benefit in in your school system since this was enacted yeah, so what we see is that, so that the classroom interactions are giving the police an, an opportunity to break down barriers and it's humanizing them. And the police benefit because they're expanding their own understanding of adolescent development, cultural differences, mental health and trauma issues, you know, strategies for youth engagement, and some interaction and proactive problem solving. So, because, you know, let's face it, our police need to learn as well, right? We're, we're an ever-evolving 
group of men and women. And, you know, I, 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 a friend of mine once said, you know, it's hard to be a cop these days and it's hard to be a kid these days. So why not bring the two together? Oh, that's absolutely true. I mean, it seems to be a zero defect, a zero tolerance world for kids these days. I mean, I remember, you know, being, I'm, I'm a retired law enforcement officer myself. I remember when I was a kid, we did things, we got in trouble. We had cops tell us, hey, get out of here. Don't do the, you know, discretion, learning about you know, how that interactions influence you down the road make a huge difference. Right, and we, we really want our youth, you know, we want to buy into their future. And any kid that unfortunately has interaction with police where it doesn't end well for them, I mean, let's face it, that's a huge obstacle for them to overcome in life. And we don't want that for our youth. It's not good for anyone. Um, you know, if, if you think about the economics of crime alone, right, keeping one, you know, one kid out of the system, out of the juvenile justice system, it, it, it pays to put our money in prevention and understanding rather than, you know, incarceration. Yeah, let, let's talk about that a little more, the economics of crime, you know, because I, I know uh, school boards and, you know, uh, municipalities all over the country they're budget focused. It's, you know, hey, we don't have money to put this program in. We don't have money to establish this. I, I don't have money to take my cops and put them in a school to teach for a week every marking period. Um, what do you say to the people, to the to the real, the budget hawks, the people that are really like, listen, this isn't a necessary expense. We can't afford this. This is not worth it. Right. So if you really study the economics of crime, you know, I would, I would, you know, submit to you that if you asked any police chief that has been through a, a bad use of force incident, something that goes viral, something that they have to then put a Band-Aid on the relationship, you know, put, try to put a price tag on a relationship between a police department and their community. It's hard to put a price tag on that. And a use of force incident, I mean, if we have officers going out on administrative leave or we have an internal affairs investigation or we have civil lawsuits or worse yet, somebody gets arrested and, 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 a, and a kid goes to jail. I mean, those are huge numbers when you talk about those economics. So my thought is, why not spend a little money, comparatively speaking, to try to change a culture? And if we try to change it by, you know, reaching our youth at a developmental, developmentally critical spot in their lives, um, I think it's money much better spent. Basically, if we solve, if we stop one of these events, just the cost alone in the investigations, the media, the, the civil liabilities, the, the lawsuits, the, the, the charges, the, the follow-on stuff, the, the human costs, you've already paid for it 10,000 times over. For sure. I mean, it's really not even close. And, and if a department you know, likes what they see in Educated Encounters and buys into it. They own the material in perpetuity, so they could they can use it once, they can use it a hundred times over. And it's a very flexible program, so if, it, if it's police chief says, well, Andrea, I like the concept, but we can't afford to put our cops in schools four times a year, we'll do it two times a year then. That's fine with me, you know, because the training is the same, and the officers are going to benefit the same way, and the students are going to be benefit the same way. Obviously, the more the better, the more the, the police and the kids kids interact, the more they're going to get to know one another. I mean, we see a real palpable difference by the end of four marking periods. You know, we see handshakes and hugs instead of, you know, 
a, a child looking at an officer as if um, they're untouchable. We're not untouchable. We're not unapproachable. That's not what we're meant to be. We're meant to be out on our streets and in a visible way and in our classrooms to offer these kids some feeling of uh, being our partners in their safety. And I think probably from the law enforcement officer's side too is to humanize and to give a face to these juveniles, these young people who may be doing dumb things, who may be out there causing minor trouble. And to kind of put that in perspective for especially the younger officers, the ones who didn't grow up in you know the pre-internet world, I, that's a really powerful thing for them to kind of put, put things in perspective. Like not everything is a nail, so you don't need a hammer on everything. Right, for sure, for sure. And you mentioned, the, you know, humanizing again. You know, in New Brunswick, we, um, New Brunswick is, is really a very progressive um, city. I, I love the way they think. They're very forward-thinking. I mean, just by the very nature that they're the ones that got me to create this for them. Um, so when, when we have their officers go into the, the um, classrooms, um, we really ask their officers to introduce themselves in give as much of their own personal background as they're comfortable with. So for example, rather than say if it were me, rather than me introducing myself to the students as uh, I'm retired Captain Andrea Craparata, I would go in and say, hi, my name's Andrea. I'm a retired captain from the Middlesex County Prosecutor's Office and um, you know I have two young daughters at home and uh, you know I, 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 I like to uh, run in my off time and some of my officers in New Brunswick will say you know I'm, I'm a coach when I'm not working you know I'm a single dad or um, I was born and raised in the Bronx or whatever they want to say about themselves because there's some student out there that's going to listen to them and relate to them and in New Brunswick we're so blessed I mean we have officers from Guatemala and you know Cuba and and Puerto Rico and they have these wonderful colorful backgrounds and when they come in and talk about that with the students some of these kids are so wide-eyed because for the first time they're like looking at these officers like wow I can relate to that because my parents are from Guatemala or you know and it's it's just a great it's a it's a it's a great connection it's almost they see the sign of behind the facade they see the person and there's a mutual respect that develops and then to, to make matters even better um, New Brunswick has a uh, uh, at least a, at least a dozen or more officers that were past graduates of, of New Brunswick High School, and they'll talk about that with the students. Like I sat where you sat, you know, 12 years ago or 10 years ago. I graduated from this high school, and now now look where I am. And you know, sometimes the kids will ask, "Well, we let them ask anything they want," because there's a time period at the end after they do the scenarios and we learn about the the rights and such, um, there's an open Q&A. And we say to the kids, ask anything you want. And they'll ask you, well, you know, how much money do you make? And when the officers tell them, you know, these kids really get wide-eyed and they're like, well, then how can I become a police officer? So how great is that? So as a, sure. as a spinoff, there was so much positivity about the program that we started to do a law enforcement and first responder type career day at New Brunswick High School. And when you think about it, I mean, probably every high school does a career day at the end of the school year, but how many do law enforcement career days? So we've had up to 30 vendors, 
come in and speak to these kids. We ran 700 kids through the law enforcement career day about a month ago at New Brunswick High School. I mean, and so that, that does my heart well to see that these young people are now looking into these careers to say, well, do I have what it takes to become a police officer? And what's the first thing you tell a child if they want to become a police officer? Number one, stay out of trouble, right? So That's true. Stay out of trouble, and then we encourage them, you know, try to get a college degree, you know, but it may not necessarily be, uh, you know, be, be um, if it's civil service, you know, they, they may be able to apply even without one, but we want them to stay clean, try to further your education. We tell them, you know, a lot of officers go into the military first. Um, but Physical fitness. Physical fitness. Um, we encourage them to, um, I mean, most of these kids in, in, in New Brunswick are bilingual, so we'll encourage them, you know. and That's a huge benefit. Huge, right? Well, like, be like, embrace your, embrace your language skills. Make use of that. The demographics of a police department should be made up, you know, based upon the demographics of the city. So you are an asset to the city. No, absolutely. Uh, those are all, you know, hard skills that are so important to law enforcement and so important to, you know, a, a, an organization that wants to serve a community. Um, so here's the hard question. Yes. Have you seen a change in how you deal with juveniles in New Brunswick? Uh, have you noticed crime is a little bit down or the severity of crimes are down or you're seeing more mediation? Um, are, are you seeing tangible statistical benefits? Yes. So here's what we are seeing. Oh, first of all, um, when we're done with this program, we always uh, we, we have um, you know questionnaires for the kids, the before and after, and we, we now. Uh, the first year we didn't, but the second and third years we now are collecting data and we're going through that. So, but what I hear from the police officers, they will give me um, real examples of, like one officer gave me an example of uh, a, a call he had at night where it was a juvenile runaway and when he rolled up to this young man on the street and he saw this kid, he said nine times out of ten in the past that would have been a foot chase because the kids are running away for a reason, they don't want the police officers in, involved and in this case when the kid spun around and saw this officer getting out of his car, he recognized him from educated encounters and he came to the officer and they had an intelligent conversation about what's the problem why are you you know there's a lot of people worried about you there's a lot of people looking for you so I've had stories like that relayed to me dozens of times and um, the police director recently uh, said that he has seen a significant decrease in citizen complaints or demeanor complaints in his city now we really can't directly tie it back to educated encounters but anytime you see a deduction in complaints and demeanor issues I mean that's a positive thing so um, you know, and I think you could argue that the the departments with the lower per capita complaints are probably the ones that they're more attuned to mediating more attuned to their populations uh, better at understanding with your community like hey this is our role this is what we do this is what we don't do this is what we believe, and, and I, I think you can see that. For sure. I mean, for sure. And, you know, when I said all, earlier that, they're, that New Brunswick is a forward-thinking department, I remember early on when I spoke to the director there, Tony Caputo, who's a 35-year veteran of law enforcement, um, 
I said to him, so Tony, tell me exactly why you want a program like this to be put in place. And he's like, well, because I care about the kids. I care about the citizenry. And I don't wait for, want to wait for something negative to happen to try to put a Band-Aid on it, which then the citizens see through that. If you're, you know, if there's a, a horrible incident and then you're going to implement a program, they see through it. His attitude was, let's put it into place now and show that we care and show that this is an area where we are willing to spend a few dollars to educate their kids. And so it's just a win-win. So the parents love it. It passed um, Board of Ed approval. Uh, the first time through, um, the curriculum director of New Brunswick. That's impressive. Yeah, New Brunswick um, superintendent, you know, got on board early on because, you know, it's hard to create a program and bring it into a school system. You know, they have standards and they have, you know, they have people who monitor what goes into the, the teaching of the students. So we had to create this and then have it have it approved by the Board of Ed. So once it was, you know, the, you have the, the Board of Ed like it, the teachers love it, right? Because they've just gotten done teaching amendment issues and now the police come in to apply what they've taught to the kids. The kids love it because they're not reading from a book on that week or on that particular day. They get to listen to the cops and go through these fun scenarios. Um, the police like it because it's an opportunity for them to humanize themselves. And, you know, and, and the administration of the city benefits because everybody's sort of, you know, getting along. And so it, it's just, um, it's a win-win. Right. And, and again, like we've said, proactive is so important because once, once the dam broke, it's really hard to fix. You can't repair your reputation with your town. You can't repair the reputa the, the relationship between police and civilians. It, it's almost it almost seems to me if you look from from the news and from incidents in the past, it's almost a generational thing. You lose an entire generation, and on both sides, and it's almost like you just got to start over with the, with the kids because it's so hard to repair that rift. Right. So one thing that the mayor said, and it's um, there's a video out uh, that the city did on, on this program. One thing the mayor said is, you know, if you think about it, if we are educating 500 kids per year, these kids are, you know, maybe, say, 15 years old now. Well, in 10 years, they will have benefited from having the educated encounters background, and now they're going to be 25 years old out on the street. So the hope is that that what we instilled in them, they're going to remember and they're going to have a different relationship and look at the police in a different way. And so over time, you're going to have thousands and thousands and thousands of people on the streets of your town, your city, that have gone through the program. Yeah, and, and these, these kids today are the voters and the parents tomorrow, and their children will be raised with the ethos that they've come up with. So... This is where we can win this, this, this struggle to kind of get law enforcement on a positive relationship with, you know, the people we serve at a really low cost. Right, for sure. And we're helping our cops, too, because as I said earlier, who, you know, I give these guys a lot of credit. I mean, I've been retired for six years. I wouldn't want to be starting my career over nowadays with the kind of stress that they're under with their job and everything is video recorded and, you know, there's a lot of, there's just, they're under such scrutiny. So why not give them every tool in the toolbox that we have to make their lives easier? And um, Yeah, that's a huge, that's a huge point, too, for the, you know, for the patrol officer who's sitting out here listening to this and going, all right, I'm rolling my eyes, another officer-friendly thing. Uh, 
this is something that this is almost like another level of armor this protects you uh, learning how to how these kids and, and getting them to understand your perspective and what you're looking at and when you do why you do things the way you do in patrol uh, can have a huge benefit to you because then there's not that complaint there's not that issue and you know what for that kid like you were talking about the one who might have ran Right. That's that could have easily been a use of force, and that could have gone really bad because all you take is one person with a camera, and it's on YouTube, and then it's viral, and the media picks it up, and now you've got a huge problem, and it can be prevented. We can fix this. We can stop these negative interactions to the point where all they are is in the gravest extreme. Sure, sure. And that's why our bottom line is with every single scenario we use, with every amendment issue that we talk about, it all boils down to aggravating versus mitigating. And, and think about it, and I'll say this to the officers out there that might be listening, if everyone behaved in such a way that they mitigated a situation that you were involved in, you know, how much better would and how much easier would your life be as a police officer? You know, if everyone listened to your commands and, you know, we do say to the kids, listen, if you feel as though you were wronged in any way, you know, there is an avenue for that to complain if you want to, but don't do it on the street. You will never win a battle with a police officer by arguing with him or her or using force against him or her on the street. Right. You can't win. Everyone loses. And we've seen it. Right. We don't have to. We don't have to. Um, just talk about it. I mean, you know, what does the Eric Gardner case cost the city of New York? New York. I mean, it's still going on. How many years later? Conservatively, billions. Yeah, exactly. And and what's the cost in the reputation? And that was over what? It was over a compliance, a mitigating versus aggravating issue. I mean, and it's a, it's a Fourth Amendment issue. It's a it's an arrest, search, and seizure, right? So everything boils down to you know an amendment, really, an amendment issue. And so that's what we want to show these kids, and that's what we want to express to the administrators out there. Listen, you know, be forward thinking. Spend the money on something like this. Let's get your guys and girls trained. Um, let's be preventative because you know what putting our hands on people and just throwing people in jail it's not working you know and ask any police director in this country who's been through a really horrific viral use of force incident whether the officer was right or wrong I'm not judging that but it's just that the public is judging and the public you're you're gonna get hurt no matter what exactly exactly so you know, if I can say the website name on here. Yeah, I was just going to get to that. Um, so, I'm a police administrator. I'm listening to this. This sounds like a great thing for my department, for my town. I want to bring this in. I want to start. How do I reach out to you? How do we How do we get educated encounters in my department? Okay, so first just go to our website, www.educatedencounters, all one word, dot com. Um, or you can email me direct at Andrea at EducatedEncounters.com. Um, and let's start some dialogue. Uh, I'm more than willing to, uh, to travel to the departments and sit down and do a presentation. I mean, it really only takes me about 15 minutes to show you our presentation of what we have to offer. Um, and if you need me to uh, go with you or one of your representatives to the Board of Ed or to the uh, superintendent of schools, because it has to be collaborative. It's a buy-in on both parts. 
uh, I'm willing to do that. You'll have a member of me or uh, you'll have me or a member of my staff um, sit through the meeting. So we'll do the hard part for you. What I need you to do is to sort of embrace the concept and give us a give us a, a, a shot. You know, take a look at what we have to offer. Take a look at the content. Uh, see if it's a good fit for your department, and then we'll uh, try to get some of your officers trained, uh, and we'll go from there. And then from there, it's self-propagating because they own the material, and your trainers, your department people train the people coming into the program. Right, right. And, I mean, most of our cops on the street nowadays, they're smart guys and girls. They, they'll they pick up on this. So we go in, we do a, uh, a train-the-trainer. If they need a refresher the following year, I mean, we can talk about that. But basically, it's, you know, it's, it's not encumbersome. It's like a bicycle. Once they get once they get into the school and they start operating under the you know the curriculum, it's really easy to pick up on. Especially if they already have trained officers that are dare officers or great or lead, you know those type of, of right. Or your your instructors, your academy staff, anybody who has some kind of educational background should be able to jump right into this. No issue. Right for sure. And the ones that don't have any, will will teach them what it takes to transfer their knowledge and experience into the classroom it's not it's not difficult that's great Andrea thank you uh, this sounds like a great program uh, it has some definite uh, benefits and I can see it helping kids and police to kind of avoid these horrible things that we run into on a regular basis and make it easier on both sides and make us all work together for sure dan i really appreciate this opportunity um it's my first podcast so it was kind of exciting for me um but i but i appreciate it and uh you know to to all our officers out there stay safe it's not an easy job and uh i i hope that we get to interact at some point great so for Elia radio i'm dan schwester uh and uh again we'll have all this in the show notes and linked up and on the uh, jay harris website uh, thanks to Andrea for coming in, and uh, be careful out there.